This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Hey, it's Christmas Eve. I love it. I love it. Uh, just before you knew it, Christmas came. <laughs> it felt like yesterday we just entered uh, December, and tonight is the 24th. You know, actually yesterday my kids were going, tomorrow, 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 tomorrow is Christmas Eve. I'm like, oh yeah, I know. Um, but it's, it's good that we are able to celebrate together the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that, the fact, it's not that he was born uh, on the 25th, but that is what, you know, Christians all over the world have agreed to celebrate our Lord Jesus in. It would be weird where, you know, we're celebrating our daddy's birthday and everyone had different dates, right? It would be weird, okay, because we'll end up just confusing ourselves. So it's good that we agree on one day to celebrate, you know, our Lord and Savior and our older brother, Jesus. Praise God. Now, I want to share with you this evening, and of course, we have the next two days, uh, you know, just to gather together and celebrate Jesus. How lovely it is to celebrate his birthday three days. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So tomorrow night, we're going to be here. Not, oh, sorry, tomorrow night. Tomorrow morning, we're going to be here at 9.30 a.m. in the morning. Um, I know that is not too early for you. Yeah, I know. So let's be here tomorrow morning as early as 9.30 and for those of you who are watching online, uh, I love that you're watching online. It's fantastic. Unless otherwise you're out of Sydney, could you be here at 9.30 in the morning? That would be lovely. It would be lovely to celebrate together. I understand that, you know, uh, COVID is starting to, you know, uh, the numbers are, you know, continuously creeping up, regardless of what they've tried to put in as, um, you know, as the government. But I've always told you the government do, do not have answer to COVID. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Praise God. He's the answer for the world today, not the government. They really don't have the answer. And that is why they continue to guess. And it's good. Let's continue to listen to them and follow them, understand what scientists are saying. But the fact at the end of the day is that they do not have the answer. And before Jesus left, he said, let not your heart be troubled. So in other words, regardless of what is going on around you, don't be worried. Don't be worried. God's got your back. Amen. He's got you. He's got you. So tonight, I'm going to be sharing, of course, on the birth of Jesus. Uh, the stories surrounding the birth of Jesus. But for, for this very night, we're going to be exploring the, ma the magi, they're called, or the wise men. And some people call them the three kings. Now, let, let's explore them a little bit. Let's understand why they came to Jesus. They, they, the symbolism of their gifts and, and what made their encounter with Jesus at the very first day unique. And much more what that means for us today. Praise God. You ready for that? Let us pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for your love, for your kindness, for your blessing, for your mercy, for your faithfulness, for your holiness, and for your righteousness that you've bestowed upon us. We thank you. 
and ask this another time to hear your word. Father, tonight, let us see much more than is presented. Let us see exactly what you're speaking to us. Let us be able to listen in and walk in the path that you've, you've already uh, created ahead for us. And let this Christmas be such that marks a turning point in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. Verse number one. So now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had privily, secretly, called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to, the, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, and that I may come and worship him also. Take note of the word also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh, or myrrh, however it's pronounced. Okay. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Amen. Now, there are a few stops here that we really need to go back to and explore why? If you, you know, when, when I study the Bible, a few things get my attention. Well, not a few things. Almost every line gets my attention. And, and I go, why? And what really helps me to study the Bible is the ability to, to ask questions. Why? How come? And how does that apply to me today? Now, if you look at it, you find that in verse number two, it's saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. So these three, or rather wise men, the uh, magi, they came to Herod the king to inquire about the newborn king. And they said, because we have seen his star 
So we've come to find out. And then if you took note that while, you know, as, as we're reading, you realize that King Herod didn't have a clue what they were talking about. And he said, okay, you go look, go check out. And come back and tell me exactly where the child was born. And that was when they realized they've missed the way. And what led them to the child, can you remember? The star. The same star they saw. You see, at times we can see a star, but we decide to do our own thing. It wasn't the star that led them to the king's palace. I was still here. It wasn't the star. They saw the star. They knew something had happened. They knew a historical moment had occurred. And then they presumed and went to the king. Presumption is a big killer. Right? In as much as they were wise men. I'm not quite sure, you know, in, in, you know, in what standard uh, that's wise men were determined, if it's just because they were astrologers or because they were really wise people. If they were really wise people, they would be wise enough not to come to King Herod. Yeah. <laughs> but they were astrologers. And... Some people make reference to them as kings. And these kings were not local. They didn't come from Bethlehem. What were they doing at that time? I'm not sure. But one thing we must understand is that these kings were not located in Bethlehem. Of course they were not. That was why, you know, Herod didn't go get crazy at them. Because they were, you know, <laughs> competitors if they were. And why did Herod give attention to them? Because they were people of renown. So Herod heard from them. He told them, excuse me, I'm not sure what he asked his servants to do. Probably give them food. Give them whatever they want. Just hold on, wait for me. And then he called the whole Jerusalem together, so to speak. The elders, the teachers, the scribes, whoever. He called them together and said, hey, king, Born where? And he said, actually, at this time, according to the scriptures, according to um, the scriptures, it's been written that a child will be born. And that's in verse number uh, six. It said, verse number five, it said, And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor. Out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And then, Herod is triggered by the word rulership. And he goes, And you don't know where this guy is born. He said, No, okay. All right, hold on. Went back to the Magi and said, hey, thank you so much for coming around. How about you go look for him? And once you found him, bring me words. I wonder what they would have done if Herod decided to go with them. Right? But we know what happened after that. 
The next part I want to bring your attention to before we go deeper into what I want to share with you tonight. Verse 9, he said, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east. So in other words, they already saw the star in the east. Interestingly, the star waited for them. Because the star would have gone on his own. And that got my attention as well, that the very day Jesus was born, a star appeared. And what's this star we're talking about? We know stars are not just, just shining little things in the sky. You know, when, we, when we were younger, we used to think, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. And we're still wondering. <laughs> Up above the world so high like a diamond in the, in the sky. But we later realized that the big sun that bores over in Australia... Is actually a star. And actually, our sun that is 100 times way bigger, not 100, way more bigger than the earth, is actually one of the smallest of the stars. And the day Jesus was born, a star appeared. If you realize, the Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 1, it said, He's the light that lights everyone that comes into the world. Say, He lights everyone that comes into the world. Interesting. And interesting thing also is that that star is not static. It moves. It leads. It guides. And that's one spe special thing with, 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 with the birth of Jesus. That from the very day he was born, never forget who he is. John chapter 1 tells us that he was the word of God. Verse 12, made flesh. He was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. But from the very day he was born, before he ever grew up to use his words, his star led us. His star guided us. Hallelujah. Verse number 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Come on. Now, I want you to think for a moment the fifth level of this magi's. Their fifth level. Now, here appeared to them a star in the east, and they analyzed astrologically and realized, ah, a king is born, fantastic. Um, and then they went to the king, and the king said, not quite sure who you're talking about. Go look for him. And they went away, and another star, or the same star, led them. And then they came in, not to a king's palace. They came in, not to a matured woman. 
They came in not to a child lying on a hospital bed. That is beyond conviction. They came in, they saw Mary. Mary was a teenager. They saw the baby. And they, don't, they didn't just look and go, Oh, cute baby. Hello. How are you? No, the Bible says they came in and worshipped him. They realized this is more than just a baby. And from that very moment on, Mary, some of these things that she started to see, she kept in her heart. Next one. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Presented him three gifts. We've always known that from the very beginning. Unless otherwise, the little children that we have these days, they can remember the three gifts that were given to Jesus. But it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and we never really thought much about it. But we realized, actually, those three gifts were not just incidental. I'm not sure if the Meiji or Meiji gave those gifts understanding exactly what they were doing. I'm not sure. Gold. You see, gold is still symbolic today. So now I'm talking about the symbolisms of the gifts, right? So gold is still a symbol today, a symbol of wealth. It's still a symbol today, a symbol of kingship. It's still a symbol today of wealth, stability, and power. See, back then, no one would, you know, they would trade in gold, but you don't trade in gold, um, you know, on a daily basis. Gold was a way of amassing wealth. Silver was what you used for daily transaction. I was still here. It's just like, I'm not sure, um, well, I, I do know, I do know. The, the highest um, uh, currency in Australia is $100, right? But think, for example, if they decided to make uh, a $10,000 bill, would you trade with that every day? But if you want to move money simply from one point to another, you will move it in $10,000 bill as opposed to 50, 50 cents. If I gave you $100 in 50 cents, you know what that means, right? Okay. So gold was a higher currency with which people amass wealth. And anyone who has elements of gold or, you know, heaps of gold is considered wealthy. So they gave gold to Jesus to assert his kingship, his wealth, his power, and his stability. 
Never forget. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. What did he say? Say, unto us a, a, a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Government shall be upon his shoulder. It's talking about power. I'm not quite sure if the Magi read Isaiah. But they gave out of their, you know, treasure, gold. Signifying that Jesus had come not only to just be a child or a child that would be most talked about. He had come to rule. He was born a king. And that Mary would have seen. Joseph would have observed. And go, oh wow, great, fantastic. The second gift that was, he was given was frank incense. Frank incense is actually a symbol of deity. Is a symbol of godship. Is a symbol of immortality. It, frankincense comes from a, a, a sweet tree resin and was used in priesthood ordinances. So frankincense was actually, you know, um, put in fire, and the smell was what actually in the book of Leviticus, chapter two, verse one, it was recommended to Moses to use frankincense. And it's also used as an oil for anointing priests. How interesting that a baby was offered as a gift, frank incense. Indicating that he was not just only going to be a mere human being, but rather a priest. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us of a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And who was Melchizedek? Melchizedek was the one who Abraham met when Abraham was coming back from the slaughter of kings. And Abraham looked to him. He actually looked at Abraham and said, Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And Abraham offered him the tenth part of his slaughter. So that was where tithe was instituted ah, for a moment right for a moment there are those people just because they want to you know bypass tithe they say well tithe is no longer applicable in the new testament because it was an old testament thing may i shock you for a moment that tithe is not an old testament thing before the law came tithe was instituted i was still here all right just to throw that in so if you ever argue against tithe for your own good okay and that was Melchizedek Melchizedek actually means the name meant the king of Salem king of peace and Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 verse 7 he said and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace, indicating that Jesus is actually anointed, or rather had come into the priesthood line of Melchizedek, the king of peace. 
If I were you, I'll go study Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 opens your eyes to something just be, beyond what you see every day. It talks about Melchizedek as someone who did not have a past. As someone who does not have a birthday. It talks about Melchizedek as someone without father or mother. In other words, someone who was eternally living. Study Hebrews chapter 7. At least you can say, on Christmas Day, I studied Hebrew chapter 7. How lovely. And I believe that Mary kept in mind also gold, kingship, wealth, stability, frankincense, priesthood. And to Mary, she understands that. To Joseph, he understands that. Now, the third was myrrh. All right. Myrrh is an embalming oil. It's actually a symbol of death. And I'm not sure if you were Mary on that day, what you think. So a little baby had been given three gifts, which specifies his kinship, his priesthood, and his death. On his birthday. But at times, people get there and they stop there. That myrrh is a symbol of death because it's an embalming oil. It's, what's the, it's the oil that you use to prepare the body of the dead. And it was given on his very first birthday. How interesting. John looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. which takes away the sin of the world. But John was introducing him to his disciples and people who cared to listen and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Everywhere he went, something followed him. And what was that? Don't lose me here. Stay with me. But everywhere he went, death followed him. But the difference between him and others was that this guy had the power over death and had the power to give life. So when John looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, all he saw was a lamb that would be sacrificed for the sin of the world. But he didn't see a lamb that would come back alive. And I'm not sure how he felt emotionally when he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Because they were related. John and Jesus were related. And seeing him and saying, Behold the Lamb of God. He might be joyful. 
Well, I'm pretty sure his heart is broken for this cousin of mine who is the Lamb of God. Say he comes to take away the sin of the world. He said, nevertheless, you see, I am, you know, I'm a big deal at the moment. He said, but I must decrease for him to increase. I wish we can say that on Christmas Day. I wish we don't give our gifts for us to be seen, but rather for him to be seen. I wish that we must might decrease for him to increase. I wish that our gifts become uh, uh, an icebreaker to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with many. So the people who walk in darkness have seen the great light. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But every time you think about myrrh, don't think about it only as a symbol of death. Think about it as a symbol given to someone who has a power over death. Hallelujah. They say, I've come that they might have life. Do you remember that? So the devil, the devil has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. He said, nevertheless, I have come that they might have life and to have it more abundantly. Praise God. So what made their encounter unique? The Magi from the East, they were not Jews. They were Gentiles. They were Gentiles. And now guess what? They are going to meet the king of the Jews. They first went to Herod, the king of the Jews. And then they went to Jesus to worship him. They were the first to bow their knees to Jesus. The first, the Gentiles. The first to give gifts, symbolic gifts to Jesus. So when they gave gold, they were saying, Jesus, you are not only just the king of the Jews, you are the king of, of, of the world. And we accept you as our king. You see, they did not stand giving gifts. They bended their knees. They worshipped him first to give gifts. So what does that mean today? That as we celebrate Jesus, let your worship be an acceptance of his lordship. Let your worship be an acknowledgement of his power, of his resurrection. Let your worship show to the world who you really are. That you may not have deserved it, but you've been graced. Praise God. Mm. All right. Okay, I've got a few minutes. Okay, how about this? Genesis chapter 49. I'm going to take you on a merry-go-round. Is that okay? All right. 
At least after today, you know there's something, there's a tie between the scriptures and the birth of Jesus. Actually, the, Jesus said, in the volume of the book, it's written of me. I've come to do your will. In other words, everything about the scriptures, everything in the, in the Bible talks about Jesus. But where did it start? Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. He said, are you there? 49, verse 10. I'm reading from the NIV first, and then I'll read from the, um, the Amplified Version. But I want you to see this. So the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. It's talking about Jesus. And guess who spoke this? Jacob, who is also called Israel. He says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. So he talked about Jesus. But I want to read it from the Amplified Version for a, very, for a moment, and I want to show you something there. Amplified. Thank you. He said, the scepter, is it coming? Fantastic. The scepter, or leadership, shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh. Until Shiloh, the Messiah, the peaceful one, comes to whom it belongs, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now he talks about Shiloh. Now, if you study the scripture a little bit more, you realize that Shiloh is both a place and a person. In Shiloh, where, where the children of Israel gathered together in God's tabernacle to share the rest of the land. That's where they come together. In other words, the unity of the people come together in Shiloh. And that is why Jesus represents the coming together of both Jews and Gentiles. The Bible tells us that he has broken down the middle wall of partition so that those who were outcast can be grafted in. Brothers and sisters, we, if you weren't Jew, you're an outcast. You can't be half Jew. You've got to be pure Jew. And there were those who became Jew by association. The blessing might rest on them, but not the complete grace. Until Jesus came. Here's another one. Shiloh. I'm not going to read this because it's, it's, it's a bit long. In Genesis chapter 48, you find that Israel had swapped the rights of the firstborn from his first son to Joseph. What number was Joseph? Can you remember? 
Second to the last, I know. Number. Eleventh. He was the eleventh son. But he got the right of the firstborn. He received double portion. Actually, the first son lost his right completely. I said I wasn't going to read it, but the way you're looking at me, I think I need to read it. Genesis 48. Actually, let, let's read 49. 48 is where um, Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. But 49, he said, and Jacob, that's number one. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. He says, gather yourselves together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel your father. He said, Reuben, thou art my firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Say, unstable as water. Oops. So, in other words, as great as you are, you're unstable as water. You say, as a result of that, thou shalt not excel. And he says, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, thou defiest, thou eat. He went up to my couch. And then he went unto Simeon and Levi. So Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitation. Oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret, into their assembly, my honor. Be not thou united, for in anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their rod, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. A father, an old man, finally sitting down and going, Kids, I know what you've done with your life. Before I go, let me tell you what's going to happen with you. See, Reuben, you're waiting for the rights of the firstborn. See, you are my might, my excellency, my pride. See, but you're unstable as water. You shall not excel. Simeon and Levi. So you're cruel. You slaughtered a man. And he, then he went ahead. But when he got to Joseph, hear what he said to Joseph. How interesting it is. At first, he, he spoke to Judah. Judah was excellent. But you go read it for yourself. Let's look at Joseph. Verse number 22 said, Joseph is a fruitful bar, even a fruitful bar by a well, whose branches run over the wall. He said, The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his, but his bow abode in strength 
and the arms of his hand were made strong by the hands of the almighty God of Jacob. He said, for, for thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And he says, even by the God of thy father who shall help you, and by the almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessing of thy father hath prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors. Do you know what he was talking about? In other words, the blessings that I was blessed by Abraham and Isaac, my father. He said, my own blessing over you is much more than theirs. And in chapter 48, the last um, verse in chapter 48, have a look at that. Last verse, chapter 48, say, Moreover, and now he's talking to uh, Joseph. Uh, I'll read from verse 21. He said, And Israel said unto Joseph, Before I behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion. Listen to it. Say, I have given to you one portion above thy brethren. So regardless of what position they hold in the family, say, I've given to you one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. Now, where am I taking, why am I reading all of this? Because I need you to see something that is written in John chapter 4. All right. John chapter 4, verse 4. Don't worry, I'm about to round up. Verse 4, he said, and he must needs go through Samaria. So Jesus was coming through to a particular city, but he had to go through Samaria. So then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near, listen to it, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, and so on and so forth. But this parcel of land that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph, was Shiloh. So if you remember verse four, uh, chapter 48, verse 22, it talks about Shiloh, I have given to you. And now here Jesus comes to Shiloh. The Bible tells us he was tired. And he came to Shiloh. The Bible tells us he's done a huge day's journey. When he got to, to Samaria, he was tired. And he came to Shiloh and sat by a well to be physically refreshed at Shiloh. And guess who came around? A woman, a Samaritan. Now I want you to see the next one. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat first on the well and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, please listen to this. How is it that thou being a Jew ask drink of me which I'm a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a, I'm a Samaritan. How come you are asking me, not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman? Because the hierarchy 
was the Jews comes first. And in the Jews, there's a hierarchy. The Jews male before the Jews female. Actually, the Jews male and the Jews children who are male before the female comes in. Okay? And right under the Jewish women is every other city and nation which comes the Samaritans. And right there, there's still a hierarchy. The males come first before the women. So here, the woman is saying, we don't have dealings. Even if we had dealings, I'm even a woman. But guess what Jesus does? He cuts across the social norms of his day. Breaking it apart and saying this is no longer what it's supposed to be. And spoke to a Samaritan woman, an outsider who is not even cared for or regarded in the society. Except just to have kids. That was how it was. And it's unfortunate that people still treat people that way today. And Jesus broke down that wall. At Shiloh. Are you still here? So it's interesting that the Magi did not only just come to Jesus to worship him. They gave him gifts. Gifts that identified him as a king, as a priest. And as someone who is a wall breaker. Breaks down the walls of partition. Breaks down the wall of death and sin. And say, come unto me. All you that are weary and are, and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I want to end by saying this. That every time you think about Jesus, especially at Christmas, open your treasury to him. I'm not saying this for you to give more. But there's treasury that is much more than money. Your heart. They opened their treasury. And they gave out of it. I'm not sure if they knew they would have given a mirror. But they gave out of it what was, you know, from the treasure, what, what made sense to them. What they, you know, put value in. And your value could be in your emotions. It could be in your need. It could be in your fear. There are some of us who can give up the fear that we have because when we do give up the fear, then what is left to live for? At times, some people, their fear is their coping mechanism to still be alive. But it's time, as you worship the king, 
laid at his feet. He knows what to do with it. If, if baby Jesus could deal with mire, how much the king who lives forever. Praise God. Give him out of your treasures. Now, you, people think treasures are things that you, you'll be proud of. Not usually. Treasures are things that keeps you sane. Treasures are things that possibly keeps you going from one moment to another. Treasures are experiences that you've collected along the way. Treasures are experiences that may have broken you, but they have made you. Treasures are those things that you feel these are scars, but these scars show where I've been. And here tonight, you can, just like the Magi, give those scars to him. So that that scar no longer tells your story, but tells his story. So that fear and anxiety no longer represents you. It represents what he did for you. By his stripes, we were healed. If we were healed, we are still healed. And if we are still healed, how come you're still going around as though you've never been healed? It's important that you give it to him so that you can live in the freedom that he brought for you. Are we still here? And as we live in this freedom, don't keep it to yourself. Guess what? These guys did not keep it to themselves. The Magi did not keep it to themselves. They were happy. They went away. Of course, they didn't go back to Herod. But they went away to spread the news. Don't keep this to yourself, brethren. It's Christmas time. It's not time to endure. It's time to enjoy. What you are enduring, it's time to give it to Jesus. So, but it's not beautiful enough. He knows how to make use of it. If he could accept embalming oil, he would accept your shame. He would accept your pain. He would accept your fear. He would accept your anxiety. Give it to him. Say, Lord, this is my treasure. This is my treasure. I've kept this for a long time. I've been carrying this along with me. I left one relationship to another. But this fear, this shame, this, you know, uh, self-confidence, you know, it's no longer there. But, but, but these are the treasures that I'm carrying along. I've got so much scars in my heart. I've got so much scars in my spirit. But I don't know what to do with it. But still, this takes preeminence in my mind. Every time I think, this is the first thing I think about. But it's time to give it as a gift to the master, the only one who can accept it and make use of it. Don't be afraid, man. Don't be afraid. He said, but if I give it away, that was my coping mechanism. He said, ha. Huh. Actually, he said, then take on my burden upon you. He said, hey, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. So if you are looking for something that will keep you going, he said, take my burden then. And what is his burden? His burden is full of love, peace, joy. His burden. Hey, his burden. His burden is full of love. The Bible tells us who for the joy 
set before him. So there was a whole lot of joy. So he looked at the joy, he went, ah, that's a lifetime of joy. But the reason he endured the pain was not so that he can get the joy. No, it's so that he can bring you into the joy. Are you still here? He wanted to escape it. You remember? He wanted to escape it at the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Because he knew, regardless of what he did, the Father still loves him. But then it becomes mission impossible. But he said, but not my will, but yours be done. So he, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We can't talk about the birth of Jesus without his death. But most importantly, his resurrection. And what he's done for us, where he brought us in. You belong to him. I belong to him. You belong to him. Everyone belongs to him because of his birth, his death, and his resurrection. So if there's anything that makes you scared anytime, say, Lord, it's a treasure that I've held for a very long time. But here I come, giving it to you. And when you come to him, worship him. Just like the Magi. Give them to him. You know, I love the song, The Little Drummer Boy. Say, I have no gift to believe. Say, I'll play my drum for him. I'll play my drum for him. Perhaps not everyone loves the drum. They say, that's what I've got to give. What have you got to give? You know, your money can fix you. There's nothing else you have in the world that can fill that void. So if I were you, I will not keep looking for how to fill the void. I'll give him the void. Give it to him. And accept the fullness of his grace. Like the Magi, they didn't know where they were going, but they knew the star was leading somewhere. They followed the star. They came in. It was a smelly house. Animals everywhere. Looking at a teenage girl with a newborn baby and a man who does not even look prim and proper. Because it was a carpenter. And they were not even in their own home. They were stuck in the bush somewhere. But they dared bend their knee and give gifts to him. Have the faith of the Magi and give him your treasures today. Those things that make you you, give it to him so that you can live the life that he's prepared for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you stand on your feet, please? Thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. 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 For some, this Christmas might be a time of reflection. For some, this Christmas might be a time 
to rethink how we've always done life. For some, for some, this Christmas might be a time to actually take your hands off the control and let him take over. For some of us, it's perhaps the time where we have to make the decision that defines the next course of our lives. And this is the time. This is the time. It's no longer time where we move two steps forward, one step back. It's no longer time where we say, yes, I will. And then we find ourselves not doing. But it's time to say, Lord, I give you my inability to commit. I give you my failures. I give you my fears. I give you my everything, everything, everything that represents me so that I might take on your yoke, which is easy, your burden, which is light. And his yoke and his burden come with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what it comes with. So my brothers and my sisters tonight, if you are at any point thinking, you know, you're not quite sure what to do, would you consider giving out of your treasure that thing that holds you bound? Let go of it now. Give it to him. And if you're that person tonight, just, you know, it's, it's just time for you to speak to him tonight. With every head bowed, all eyes closed. If you're that person, I'd like to pray with you. You might be online watching this and you are that person, you are at the point of your life where you're not sure what to do or there's a particular area in your life that you're struggling with. You see, that could be one of the gifts that you need to give. Give it to him tonight. Lay them at the feet of Jesus. See, if you're that person, I'm just going to pray with you. And would you say these words after me, Father? I come to you today in the name of Jesus. That you accept my brokenness. Accept my failures. Accept me just as I am. Change me. Transform me. Renew me in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. As we celebrate his birth, may I experience a rebirth in the name of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for me and he rose again for me. From today onward, take my pain, take my shame, take my fear, take my anxiety and give me yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you've prayed that prayer, may I say to you, hey, he never jokes with his promises. He says, I will be with you forever. And once you open the door for him, he comes in ever so gently. He sits with you does life with you. He sits with you and say, let's plan this your life together. And never say no to him. Never say no to him. And from now onward, continue to remind him of his words. 
you promised. And I know you can bring it to pass. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. The message you've heard was produced by The Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.